1: It's the Bosco's Boys, Scott it's Grant Wildcat. I'm sitting down with Scott Wildcat here for another edition of the Bosco's Boys podcast. We're back. How's it going, man?
2: It's going well. Uh, you know, I think we jinxed ourselves talking about having actually good weather uh, the last time we recorded because, of course, as usual, it's now muggy and dark and it looks like it's probably about to rain. I think it is going to
1: rain. I don't mind it, though. It feels all right. It's not just like, at least if you don't have the muggy plus the sun... That's where you like want to kill yourself.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll take one or the others. As long as the sun's behind the clouds, I think I can deal with it. And you know, if the sun peeks back out, hopefully we can get rid of this humidity. But you know, we're not a weather podcast. We're a uh, K-State sports podcast. It's for the fans, by the fans, all that fun jazz. Uh, we have a guest. It's our third guest of all time. Grant, uh, since you actually, well, we'll get into that story a little bit later. But tell us who our guest is going to be.
1: We are going to be sitting down with Mr. Travis Tannehill, all Big Twelve tied in from 2012, and um, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen him for quite a while, but I'm sure he's got he's going to have some good content for us.
2: Yeah, hopefully. And if uh, he sucks, then we just you know we'll just delete this part out and pretend he never came by. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but but I'm sure that won't happen. Uh, before we get too deep into that, and before we hit a couple of the topics we had planned out. Uh, as usual, all the boneheads love it, Beer of the Pod. Uh, the Beer of the Pod, it's the Kansas City Classic. I think almost anyone in the general Midwest, this might be your introduction to craft beer. It's the good old Boulevard Unfiltered Wheat.
1: Yes, Boulevard Wheat, and that wasn't really the plan today, but we're going to fall back on the KC Classic. Um, you can't really go wrong with Boulevard Wheat, Um Nice hot day, put a lemon in there, maybe?
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, it's, it probably wouldn't make my top 50 Boulevard beers even, but you no. know, it's drinkable. It's, it's the Kansas City Classic. You know, any, any place you go in town, you know, it's going to have it on tap. If you don't want to be drinking a domestic light, you know, any hole in the wall from this, from here to Topeka to Omaha, you know, anywhere you go, you're going to be able to at least get Boulevard wheat. So I appreciate it. It was the, uh, first uh non-domestic beer i've i ever had so you know it holds a nice little nostalgic feeling of course it wasn't until after we turned 21 kids don't drink until you're of legal age despite what grant said last week but you know i it's a good time um so the biggest we'll jump into it the biggest thing that happened this week is while it's not official i don't believe pen to You know, I don't think it's quite happened yet, but from very reliable sources all throughout the college baseball world, it sounds like we are going to sign Pete Hughes to be our next baseball head coach. Uh, You know, he spent some time at Boston College, eight seasons there, seven seasons at Virginia Tech, four at Oklahoma, and this season he's been an unpaid assistant at Georgia. You know, neither one of us are big college baseball guys, but Grant, you have you have an b- opinion either way on this?
1: Um, my initial thought was that I was underwhelmed by this, the possible signing, the prospect of him being a coach. Um, I have a pretty limited knowledge of, of baseball, to be honest, but <clears throat> when you look at the numbers, it was pretty underwhelming, like looking throughout his career. But when you uh, look at the context of his career, it's maybe a little bit better. Um, you know, he went to... Goddamn. Dog... Um, my dog's making a lot of rattling noises. I'm just going to take this
2: This is two straight podcasts we've been
1: interrupted
2: Maybe. by uh, by man's best friend.
1: Okay, we're back. Dog will not be making any more noise. Um, so when you look at the context of his career, like Virginia Tech, he kind of did somewhat of a rebuild job there and then went to Oklahoma where he was... I mean, he failed. Yes, yeah, so let's 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 we'll not, not we'll mince say, the words. Oh, no, he no, failed at Oklahoma. He failed at Oklahoma, but so yeah, one regional at Oklahoma, two regionals at um, Virginia Utah. Tech, below five hundred, Big Twelve record at OU, which is not good. But I, I'm going to let it play out. I mean, I think I'm obviously. i say it. I'll just say it's a fit. He's we're going to sign Pete Hughes. It's official. I'm going to let it play out. I think Gene knows what he's doing. It's not. I'm not underwhelmed by by the signing and, like, I'm not hitting the panic button. Like, good God, Gene, is, he can't make a hire um, before the guy even coaches a game at K-State. He's going to need some time, and I think maybe K-State is going to be a better fit for him than OU was. Um, but let's just see what happens. Um, what are your initial thoughts on it? I, I'm not hitting the panic button with Gene Taylor here. I, I yeah. don't think there's any reason to do that.
2: Yeah, so my initial thought – so this name was floated out – uh, by some of the baseball riders a few weeks ago, actually. And I, I predicted that there would be a mini, mini meltdown by K State fans. And I think that has delivered on message boards, on Twitter. There, I mean, it's actually a little bit bigger of a meltdown than I anticipated. If you look at his career, he went. From, I think, Trinity College in Texas. He went to Boston College. A historically bad program. Mm-hmm. They have they don't go to postseason play. They're, they have no heritage. They have no history. And he is the best coach that they've ever had. He's taken to them to their program's best seasons. But still, all that being said, their best seasons don't include an NCAA appearance. That's a little concerning. Then he goes down to Virginia Tech. And he did do a rebuild job there. They had a longtime coach who started running their program into the ground, similar to what he's taking over at K-State. And then, like we said, he failed at Oklahoma. Uh, He did take Virginia Tech to two regionals. He hosted one. He has two of the only 41 seasons Virginia Tech's ever seen. But this is where I get concerned. If you look at his conference play across all three places, he was seven games under five hundred at Oklahoma. That's concerning. 52 games under 500 in the ACC at Virginia Tech, and only a measly three games over 500 at Boston College, who played the predominant amount of that time in the Big East, which was not known as a baseball powerhouse conference. It's concerning to me. What doesn't concern me is the idea of this projecting what Gene's going to do when he tries to hire a big two. I think that when you look at what K-State is in the big two programs versus what it is in the course of baseball, I think it is apples and oranges. Uh, but I, I do kind of understand where some people are freaking out a little bit. I have so much faith in Gene Taylor, though, that I am not going to join the freakout movement. What are your thoughts on, does this have any correlation from for what you might expect from Gene Taylor when it comes time to make one of those bigger hires? No. It does not. Um,
1: I mean, looking at Gene's like track record and what he's done in his career and what he's already done at K State. I mean, look at the, look at what he did at North Dakota State. He knew how to hire a football coach. Um, look how he's handled everything at K State. Um, how he's connected with the fans. I love how he handled Bruce's contract. Really great job. He, I mean, I don't think we could have handled that any better. I mean, he gave him the raise, but not too high staggered his uh, buyout so if things get a little sticky we can get out of it. I think Gene knows what he's doing. Um, There's no real reason to panic and at this point it's like maybe you never know what's gonna happen. Like, you might as well just wait and see what's gonna happen with the coach. You don't know how he's gonna gonna fit at K-State. It might work better than he's ever worked in his career. So it's like maybe he's here to stabilize the ship and kinda get things straight back on course But and what's our what do you think our peak is with K State baseball? Anyways, like what are we looking at to
2: be? Here's the thing, and this is where I understand some of the frustration. Mm -hmm. K State baseball showed that at its peak, it can win a Big Twelve title. It can be a game away from going to Omaha. Uh, You know, we've seen what this program can be, but there you do have to look at it with with a different perspective. We are the northernmost school in the Big Twelve that plays the game of baseball. Up until these announced renovations, we far and away had the worst setup, the, the worst facilities, probably, made, definitely in the Big 12, probably some of the worst of Power 5 programs. The investment appetite for just just Olympic sports in general, non-revenue sports in general, is not very high. So, you know, I I, I wonder who's who the best coach we can get i think for this and with our non-revenue sports the best thing we can do is to hope we catch lightning in a bottle unless some big money person steps up and says hey i want to be the baseball booster and provide money so we can you know go up to you know eight hundred thousand dollars a year granted if it comes out that we're paying this guy you know that high number, if it comes out that he's getting paid just south of a million dollars or something crazy like that, I'll come on here and say Gene's lost his mind. The fact of the matter is we are not bringing in revenues that Texas is, these schools that can really focus on these programs. You have to do it a little bit smarter and a little bit on more of a shoestring budget. But That kind of brings me to a point that has been hashed out all over Twitter, all over the message boards, Has K-State lost some of their ambition? I think we might be getting a little bit hyperbolic with this, but if you do look at how the university, the athletic department, has treated non-revenue sports and even the big two sports, it doesn't show a lot of creativity or vision. I think we stuck with Deb Patterson way too long. I think we're on the verge of saying with Susie Fritz and the volleyball team, far too long we John Curry gave a bad contract out coming out of that Big 12 championship in baseball and we stuck there too long the hire we got to start a soccer program was a junior college head coach the last time we made a football hire it was bringing back Bill Snyder instead of going after someone Frank Martin was a promotion Bruce Weber while yes he's turned it around He was a retread hire. We haven't made an ambitious swing for the fences hire since Bob Huggins. And the second one after that is bringing in Mitty, who we stole from TCU for women's basketball. So I think they're, I understand where some people are coming from. But I'm not willing to go as far as some of the public has. I would say,
1: man, you pose the question have we lost our ambition when it comes to coaching hires? I would go as far as say, have we ever really even had ambition? That that is a
2: very good point. I think it's Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins is the most like. But but (laughs) here's the thing even if you look at just basketball in general, if you look at Tom Asbury and Jim Moldridge, those two had a little bit of, you know, spark behind the name. Yeah. Again, and, and. at the time, if you go back and you talk to all the old timers, apparently we were in for Eddie Sutton. Something happened. I'm not sure of that. So it seems like there used to be a little bit of ambition, even going after Bill Snyder. That's a big time offensive coordinator from a Power Five conference. So I, 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 I guess I get a little bit uh, concerned when I see how things have gone. And maybe you're right. Maybe we've never had the ambition. But when the time comes, I. When hiring Bruce's eventual replacement after he wins three national titles, uh, you know, and I don't want to just take Chris Lowry, even if he is the number two guy on a national championship team. I'm kidding. I don't think he's going to win three. But the, the next time these hires come around, I would like to see a little more ambition. I don't care if it turns into a stone stepping job in anything. Let's go after an up and comer, let's go after someone who has shown that they can recruit. I don't know if this guy can recruit. I, you know, I have no idea. But when the time comes for the volleyball hire, for the next women's basketball hire, you know, j- I, instead of going after some of these, you know, mediocre head coach, let's go for an up and comer if they leave because they did a good job. Fine, I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. Show a little bit more creativity. I, I say all this, but again, I'm not. I'm not willing to have a quasi burn it down movement like some people are.
1: For a long time even like outside of coaching hires I would I've been wanting to see our athletic department have higher ambitions than what they've had change we need to change our mentality it seems like we're always like playing the victim as we're the small school we truly can't compete it's like times have changed we are still a small market school but times have changed we can take advantage of certain things that can get us to a next level and it's like it doesn't seem like we're making those Precious.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you can combat that and look at some of the facilities that we have built. The evolution of Bill Snyder Family Stadium has showed some ambition. The building of the basketball training facility has shown some ambition. I mean, we're building a new soccer stadium and renovating Toynton Family Stadium for baseball, and we built a $5 million rowing facility. Yeah. I, th- I, I think that there is a little bit of that, but I think that comes more from the fans than the athletic department. I think... If you talk to people in the athletic department, if you read the press releases, sometimes they come off a little bit more defensive than I think they need to. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think we've shown ambition in this arms race for facilities across the board. And uh, I, I know I'm speaking a little bit out of both sides of my mouth, and you can't have it both maybe, ways. But maybe I'm just blinded by what it seems like.
1: Lack of ambition for football because it just maybe I'm blinded by just one aspect of like recruiting because it just seems like we're, we don't try at all, and that's kind of what I am coming back to. It's yeah, like, and, and that
2: actually kinda, is 100% true. If you look at in football recruiting, I think football recruiting more than almost any other non on the field uh, indicator that shows your ambition as an athletic department, seeing the kids you're going after. But I think that's just, I think that's just Bill Snyder. I mean, I think just fact of the matter, he is set in his ways, and we're not going to see a massive change until he walks out. And I understand the want for ambition, but I, I, I do think, and again, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth after I trashed almost every coach at K-State, uh, but I do think there is some ambition. Uh, so, and maybe that's why people are burnt by this hire. Maybe if we didn't just say we are investing. $15 million in facilities for baseball and soccer. Maybe may, maybe that's why people are getting. mad. I don't know. I've talked in circles on this. Um, yeah. Well, let's just let it play out and we'll see what happens. I'm going to back Pete Hughes. Yeah. I mean, if he does a great job, awesome. But I think as we touched on one of the very first Ask Bosco questions, don't be afraid to then cut the guy loose. I, I want I want this contract maybe to give him stability for three years, but in year four, I want after year three, I want you to be able to fire the guy with no repercussions. I, that's how I would handle non-revenue sports. Give him three years. If it doesn't look like you're going to be a postseason play, fire the guy and try to catch lightning in a bottle another.
1: I don't know. Seems like we have a little bit of a track record of holding on to people because we like their character over their ability I, to coach.
2: Yeah, and I that that can be a whole other yeah. topic for another one. We've we'll move ta- on. we've talked in circles on this one. It's uh, you know we we'll, we'll just move on for the time. We'll being. move on to the next mini meltdown. Oh yes. Uh,
1: topic two: Football kickoff times have come out for next season. Um, the first game has been announced versus South Dakota with a six ten p.m. on ESPN 3 and UT San Antonio at 3 p.m. And then, of course, the big game that everyone's talking about, that everyone's melting down about, um, Mississippi State,
2: September 8th, 11 a.m. kickoff. Man, and that was announced very shortly after our last podcast finished taping. And uh, Yeah. Correct. Refresh my memory. Which one of us correctly predicted that kickoff.
1: Time. I think it
2: was... Oh, man, I don't
1: know. We'll have to play it back. Can't I can't
2: I, I think it was me. I I had been championing championing this for a while. I, I, I always knew this was never going to be a prime time. I actually thought it was prime to get moved to maybe a... I, I originally said Thursday night, but that's when the NFL kicks off, so that wasn't going to happen. But I thought maybe a Friday night, and if it wasn't going to get moved, I, I, in my heart of hearts, knew this was going to be an 11 a.m. game. Uh, I like... I like the night games. For this one especially, I wanted an elite atmosphere. We haven't had it since the Auburn game. Uh, All that being said, I think the meltdown went a little far. It did go a little bit far. Um, You're right.
1: We haven't had an elite atmosphere since the Auburn game. And before that, I genuinely, probably the loudest game like consistently throughout the game was that I can remember, I would say is like 2002 at USC.
2: Yeah, yes, and Auburn that, matched that. That, that Auburn game was electric from beginning to end. But even before that, you know, you you seem to get those games at least once a year. That North Dakota State game, RIP. What a horrible loss! But that was the opening of the press box. The statue was revealed. It was that seemed to be a very fun atmosphere. Again, later that season, the TCU game-winning field goal, it was a sellout, engaged crowd. You know, it was great. Before that, you have 2012, where every game seemed to be a party, and then you got to rush the field after you beat Texas to clinch it. 2011, you had games all throughout that season because of the Cardiac Cats, the A&M overtime game, the Missouri. You had a lot of fun atmospheres. I just feel like it's been so well, and even before that, the UCLA game to kick off the 2010 season. There, there were so many. That was 230. Ga- dirty. Well, yeah, no, I'm just saying games that have had the yeah. atmosphere. And Then before that, the 09 game where we then broke the the. Uh, oh, you weren't there. The the horror, The three game, three year losing streak for. I was not there. I was even, busy winning a state championship. Yes, absolutely. you're an elite athlete. But <laughs> it's been so we haven't had a game that's even matched you know that UCLA game for a long I, I time disagree it, I disagree
1: I think that man I, I thought that okay 11am games are capable of having great atmospheres Miami that was a really good
2: atmosphere yes, elite atmosphere and and I'm not saying that it that just because this is an 11am game it can't I'm yeah. not saying that Make no mistake I, about it this game's going to have a great atmosphere but it would be so much but, better if it was a night game I'm still not conv- I'm I'm not ready to say it will be an elite atmosphere. I will not believe it until I see it, because fact of the matter, season ticket numbers are down. Student ticket sales are down. We don't know what the renewal rates are going to look like. We don't know if this is even going to be, you know, yes, it'll probably be a sellout, but is it going to be one of those 50,000 seat sellouts or a 54? You know, we have the capabilities of packing so much more in with standing room only and how engaged are the fans. I'm just, I, I won't, I won't be convinced, I won't be willing to say the atmosphere is back until I see it. Because I've i been proved wrong, you know. It, it was crap versus OU last year. Last year, every game we, was terrible. Yes, and weather had a little bit to do with that as well. Yeah. But I, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I was upset. But again, all that being said, we had fans who were saying, oh, I would have preferred to be on ESPNU. I would have preferred to be on ESPN2. That is so short-sighted. It is the way that it's set up is great. Yeah, you're coming out of College Game Day. The I don't know where College Game Day is going to be, but the they're going to have the headgear pick. But the pick before that is going to be okay. Right after this, we're going to Manhattan, Kansas, K-State versus Mississippi State. Kirk Herbstreit. Yeah. Who do you have? He's going to say Bulldogs by twenty. I don't know what he's going to say. But it's there's going to be hype. ESPN is going to push that game because it's going to be coming right after College Game Day. It's going to be great for exposure. It's going to be a it stripe is. out game if people follow the rules and know what color shirt they're going to wear. I'm going to be second the white. I think section. I'm in the white too. <sighs> that sucks. But oh well. It, it's it will be a good visual thing. It's Harley Day. They're, 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 everything is there for it to be good. I'm just not convinced. I won't believe it till I see it. And and hopefully I'm wrong. I I would love to tape a Sunday pod. Hey, we just won by 20, and it was a great atmosphere. Depends on
1: how well we play. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah.
2: Yes. (laughs) That 100% has. If we just suck,
1: like, every single game we did last year at home, and, like, there was just every game at home last year was just so deflating.
2: Yeah. We lost four in a row. It was awful. There's nothing. There's no disputing that. Hopefully we don't lay an egg versus South Dakota. I mean, God forbid if we even just dominate that game, that, the excitement will be taken down another notch. But, you know, if Sky and Alex Dalton combine for, like, five touchdowns and, you know, Mike McCoy and uh, Barnes get another couple and we just roll South Dakota, then, hey, may, maybe, maybe it's going to be fun. Right.
1: I would prefer a Thursday night kickoff, but that's because, I mean, I understand that that makes it tough for people. Um, me personally it's it has no bearing on my life. I can basically make my schedule to where it works out fine, but that Thursday night Auburn game was legit and I would love I, to recreate that. I mean, I awesome.
2: love thir- I I love those games. Selfishly, you then get to stay home on Saturdays. But I I just I, I like the idea of having the eyes of the nation looking on you the only game. All that being said, it's still it's still just folks never turn your nose up at an ESPN game. I would take yeah. ESPN or Fox or FS1 11 a.m. games all season long before I would take a 6:15 game on ESPN 2.
1: I think there are some positives to 11 a.m. games. None of them really have to do with the atmosphere, but there are things that I really yeah. like about 11 a.m. games. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Just show up, get there, have some biscuits and gravy. You can have a nice breakfast... Ooh. you can have an nice breakfast tailgate which is a good change up right? in my opinion I will, a ta- good breakfast tailgate.
2: I will take any invitations to tailgates that f- feature biscuits and gravy you can, you, can, you can start with mimosas mimosas over breakfast bloody Burritos. marys all the time for for what it's worth i love bloody marys bloody, bloody marys I'm trying yeah. to get drunk Ble- bloody marys can die oh man, uh, bloody mimosas marys are mimosas every day of the week but yeah no it, it'll be fine uh, just thought we'd touch on it because there was a Fun little mini meltdown on Twitter. And uh, the last small thing we'll touch on before we bring in Travis Tannehill. Uh, it was announced today that it looks like George Mason is coming into the Octagon of Dune in the non-conference uh, schedule. We're still waiting on the full release. Whenever we get that, we'll break it down. Um, you know, I really hope that isn't the marquee home game Bruce was quoted on saying he was working on. Uh, that would be a little disappointing, but you know it, it's another game that's been released. We we know almost all of them. Uh, there's not many more slots. If there is a, another fun home game, uh, do you have anything to add on? Uh, have have we re- have we
1: improved our strength of schedule at all? I would
2: guess so because you know Marquette is going to be a solid team. George Mason is going to be better than any other home game we had last year besides Georgia you know hopefully you're playing Liz- yeah you, you have bandy in the sprint center hopefully you have a hopefully we can get missouri yeah, i was just about to say because they that uh Jonte porter i think is coming back so they're going to be a ncaa uh they'll probably be an ncaa team um so you know, know I, now are we going to we're going to texas a&m in yes. the SEC challenge, so the strength of the schedule is going to be better. Um, I was selfishly hoping for like maybe a game versus Nebraska, maybe a rematch versus Creighton, bring in one of, some of these regionally relevant schools to do a home and home. Since you know Wichita State are a bunch of frauds and you know they lie, but I'm not going to go on that rant again. Uh, but you know when the full schedule comes out, we'll dive deeper into it. Then uh, I, the last thing I'll say on this is, it looks like uh, take, season ticket package details have been sent out in the mail. I would encourage, hey, let's let's make the Octagon rowdy again. Uh, you know, get out there, uh, buy your season tickets if you want, buy your mini packs if you want. Uh, you know, and holler at the Boscos boys inside the Octagon. So unless you have anything else, I think it's time. To do a little break and then bring in our guy Travis.
1: Yes, we're going to take a break and then we'll be back with Mr. Travis Tannehill, tight end, three year starter, first team, all Big 12. Um, Mr. Travis Tannehill, and we'll be back. Klein keeps it, locks it to the end zone, touchdown, Travis Tannehill. All right, we're back with Travis Tannehill. Welcome to the show, Travis. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. Guest number three.
2: Guest number three a big shoes to fill. Uh, K-State football alum Brogan Berry was our first, and our good friend KSU Fan was number two. Uh, you know, I think you can break into our top two. We won't say which one's, <laughs> okay. we won't say which one's the worst. Okay. Cough, cough, Brogan, you need to step it up. Uh, but welcome to the show. Before we get started... Uh, the listeners probably don't know the fun history connection all three of us have. Uh, you know, Grant, you know, was your roommate? That's correct, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, what was that? My junior, senior year, just senior 2012. year, 2012. 2012 so so The guys, good years. You yeah. guys moved out like yeah. halfway through the, the yeah. lease. Yeah, yeah I would have moved out. Me with two guys I would have moved out in December. So awful, but yeah. yeah. So that's neither
2: that, here nor there. Yeah, something <laughs> that you may not know. And some of the listeners might know, but the reason that came to fruition was good old Grant left the 1421 Yuma crew high and dry. Yeah. He uh, backed out of a lease that he already signed, uh, scrambled. We had to scramble. We got someone uh, to fill it in, but he came crawling back when he decided he was going to go to K-State. And little old me followed you on Twitter back in the day, and I think I saw you tweeting about needing a roommate. I sent that over to Grant, and the rest is history. Yeah,
0: we were just—I know it was me and my brother, maybe one other player—and we just had a, one one open room. So back then, you know, the easiest way to get the word out is just and tweet out. And old Grant called me up and looked, creeped on him a little bit. This kid looked normal enough, and next thing you know, we're buddies. So it worked out. <laughs> you guys are
2: buddies, and now uh, you came on to the podcast. So uh, all right, let's, let's jump That's into history,
1: That's Twitter. Nice. Yeah, Twitter 20, saved the day. Twitterverse. Twitter back, Twitter, back when Twitter wasn't just insane.
2: Oh, I love it. I couldn't live without
1: it. Yeah, I know. It's it's a drug. But, uh, <laughs> all right. So, I guess basically we just have a bunch of questions that we'll run through. Travis, we'll shoot them back and forth and you can... See where uh, things go. Yeah. So, my first question that I have for you was walk us through the process of being recruited by Ron Prince. <clears throat> well...
0: Ron was, Coach Prince was a very, um, most people don't, you know, they see him on the field and obviously a lot of K-State fans don't have the highest, hold the high, him in the highest regards, but, um, he was actually, I mean, he could have, he could have sold an ice cream popsicle to an Eskimo. He was a great salesman. He was highly, highly intelligent. Um, and he came off as confident and, you know, a great CEO of an organization, um, You know, he kind of – really, I was also recruited by James Franklin, who is now the head coach at Penn State. Um, He was the OC when he was recruiting me. So that's – you know, really, the head coach can only have so much influence. You're really working more with your OC and your position coach, obviously, which was at that point um, a guy, um, Coach Leonard, who now I think he's at Boston College as the tight ends coach. Um, So those two guys really who I hit it off with, Coach Prince was really – um, you know, just the figurehead, and he he fit that role to me. He, he um, going through that process, he, he fit the role of a, a very sharp CEO who had his stuff together. Um, unfortunately, that's not the way things panned out. Or fortunately, I guess. Um, so once uh, I know, once Coach Franklin kind of jumped ship, he went uh, went over to Maryland and then down to Vanderbilt now P- and now Penn State. I think that's kind of when uh, maybe the wheels fell off the wagon a little bit. And I think Coach Franklin might have been holding that offense together. And their strategy at that point was to outscore the opponent. They weren't really playing much defense. Um, so it's uh, once Coach Franklin maybe saw the writing on the wall a little early and, and looked out for himself and made a career decision um, that obviously you know paid out. He's a you know head coach at a probably top five program. I completely <laughs> forgot we had Franklin. on stage. Well, and then yeah. we had Raheem
2: Morris was the first defensive coordinator as yeah. well. And uh, you know if you look back at those print staffs, if if you could have kept those guys. Exactly. He yeah. might still
0: be here. I know. He, he found a way to get some good guys there. He just couldn't keep them. Um, and, you know, I've heard some stories. I obviously never played for him. Um, but I, I know he might have been. The thing about Coach Snyder is he's so stinking consistent. Like, you know what you're going to get every single day. There's no, um, you know, the expectations are always there. Where Coach Prince, I know some guys got frustrated. Some days they'd walk in and you know they'd have a bad practice and he would be you know your best friend and other days you'd feel like you had a good practice and he'd run you for two hours after practice and just no consistency which is really hard as a player to know what you're coming into every single day so I think that might have been uh from the guys I've talked to who did play for him he was just you know a little inconsistent I don't know if that was um you know just his maturity you know first year head coach um and things like that so you know I, I think he's Evolved, you know. He's 10, 15 years older now than he was back then. So I haven't talked to him for quite a long time. So I don't know what he's like now. I know he's still coaching and, uh, you know, still having a decent career as an assistant coach, bouncing around in the NFL and whatnot.
2: Well, so he actually recently got
0: fired from Detroit. I did hear that. It sounds, it sounds
2: like he, It sounds like maybe he hasn't changed that much because the reviews out of there were not that great. But it does. I think he is an offensive analyst with good old John or Jim Harbaugh up mm-hmm. at uh, Michigan. So. He's, uh, he's going to put on his uh, hat and try to help them out.
0: Yeah, which is weird because, I mean, he was highly, highly intelligent. I, mean, I remember going to his house, and uh, I'll never forget, on a, on a recruiting visit, he had, like, like, on a light switch, he'd have, like, English, Spanish, and French. And so, like, his whole house was, like, learning three, you know, his kids were five and ten years old or whatever, and they were learning, you know, he was trilingual or whatever. So, highly, highly intelligent guy, um, but just for whatever reason, couldn't find the way to... Um, you know, bring a staff together and have that cohesiveness. That's almost more important than you know your smarts. So, what
2: was it like thinking, okay, I'm going to play for Ron Prince, and then all of a sudden, it's it's time to roll, get to Manhattan. Then the legend is now the head coach. What yeah, was, what was that like? Was
0: well, I, I was actually so I was actually up there that fall, um, that last season for Coach Prince. I was a gray shirt, so oh, okay. I was uh, I was injured. I wasn't on the team, but I was supposed to come in that January. Um, and I was sitting in some class, and the pr- professor walks in and says, Ron Prince got fired, and everyone cheers. <laughs> and I go, oh, crap, I hope I have a scholarship come January. <laughs> so I walk out of class, <laughs> and I get on the phone and start, uh, I assumed um, Sean Snyder would be sticking around, so I start blowing his phone up. And I'm like, hey, man, do I have a scholarship? And he's like, I think so. We don't know anything yet. Like, just just sit tight. I'll let you know as soon as we know anything. <laughs> um he's like you know obviously we'll try to do whatever we can to you know honor our commitment he's like I'm I'll still hopefully plan on being on the staff you know I don't think they knew that bill was coming back at that point but um so yeah I I was I was a little nervous (laughs) and I remember the whole class cheering and I'm like sweating just like I hope I have a scholarship here come January but I did and it was nice and uh you know coach Snyder obviously we worked everything out and Sean called me uh you know within a week or so and said hey it looks like uh you know, everything's going to work out fine. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. We'll, we'll, we'll see you in January once the semester starts. So it worked out.
2: I think we had a few questions about, you know, your junior and senior year, but before we get there, what, what were the first two years of Bill coming back like? Was it, you know, him trying to re, re put the culture back in place? Was he trying to erase any memory of how things were under Ron Prince? What were the first two years like that? You know, if people look back, you Losing to Louisiana that first year, no bowl game. Then the Pinstripe Bowl the next year. But you know, it wasn't roses from the beginning.
0: Oh no, absolutely not. I know. Um, you know, not even the first two years. The first two months. That first January, he came back. Um, you know that winter conditioning program. I'm. He would never admit it, but I'm convinced. Let's say there were 100 guys on the team. We were gonna. He was gonna kill us until 30 guys quit. And those 30 guys were going to be the weakest ones, and he was going to try to clean house like that. Um, and I know Coach Prince, um, I think he saw the writing on the wall and knew he had to win some games quickly, so he brought in maybe some uh, a few more Juco guys than he might maybe would have liked, of and, um, liked to have. And Juco guys, sometimes the stereotype can be true, they're great athletes, but sometimes the character's not there, the grades aren't there, they're trying to – Um, you know, find a way to fit these great athletes into a program, which takes more than skills. Um, And so a lot of those guys, I think Coach wanted off the team and um, pushed us really, really hard until about 30 guys quit. So uh, I I know he he forced us to to get into shape really quick. And, you know, I was coming off – I thought I worked hard in high school, but I didn't know what hard work was. So, I can't uh, imagine what it's like being in a Bill Snyder, like, workout. Yeah, especially those winter – I mean, it was – I remember just being so, so tired. I mean, just sleeping like 10, 12 hours a night. Just being, your body's just not used to it. It just has to recover. Um, and, you know, by, you know, six, nine months down the road, by the time that I fall rolled around, my freshman year of fall season, you know, my body was used to it, and I was back to sleep normal sleeping habits. But that first winter was about the worst Three months than I <laughs> in my whole entire life, and, and he was trying to set the you know set the tone that you know we're going to do things a little differently, and we're going to be a team that's going to work hard. And um, after my freshman year, um, so Coach Kent was the strength coach when Coach got there, when Coach Snyder came back, and then Coach Dawson came in. I believe it was after my freshman year. And he, if you follow Coach Dawson's career around, wherever Coach Dawson's been, they've won. Um, he was at KU under Mangino. Um, And been a few places before that. But wherever, and I really think he has a huge um, impact on that team. And nothing against Coach Kent. He kind of ran the program a little more like an NFL style team where it was very, um, the players were accountable for themselves. But I mean, these are 18 year old kids. I mean,. We're tired, we're thinking about girls, we're thinking about class. We're thinking about everything but football. If you're gonna give a lot of these guys the opportunity to skip out on some reps, they're going to take it. And that's just the way an 18 year old's brain works sometimes. where Coach Dawson brought in um, you know the structure and the rigidness to really get that program turned around from the, uh, you know in the weight room and the conditioning in all, and just so much of that is just mental toughness and physical toughness and just pushing your body and your you know your body can do way more than you think it can and just letting you know that you actually believe that so coach dawson really had a huge role in that turnaround
1: man when we lived together in 2012 i just thought your schedule was just seemed so god-awful you didn't get home until like 8 p.m every night and it was like just constant football 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 it's like i don't know how you guys have time to do literally <clears throat> anything else
0: yeah i mean <clears throat> during season yeah there, there's nothing else um You know, it's it's six a.m. to ten p.m. Except for Kite's Country on Thursday night. Yeah, Kite's Country. That was was, was usually after season. Um, (laughs) Yeah, definitely not going out on a Thursday night with a game on Saturday. (laughs) We'd be in a lot of trouble for that. But no, I mean the schedule is very demanding, especially during the fall. Um, you know, summer a little more laid back. You do get a little bit of free time and class loads a little less. And um, you know, in the spring or the winter slash spring January through, um, you know, May. Uh, spring ball is pretty pretty intensive, um, but, you know, just winter conditioning. Work. Other than that first year after that, uh, you know, you get into a little bit of rhythm and a little bit of routine, and, and you find yourself um, enjoying life a little more.
2: <laughs> Speaking of enjoying life a little more, I think, at least in my opinion, the game that I associate with turning it around to K-State football is back, is that road game versus Miami back in 2011. Take us through what was going through your head during that goal line stand that really, in my opinion, propelled, at least in my opinion, you guys to that next level during your career. Also, yeah. you uh,
1: helped debut the jump pass in that game. The jump pass it, did get jump.
0: debuted in, for a two-point conversion, which uh, was was a lot of fun.
1: It was a little rough around the edges. I watched it, like, just a couple days ago. It was effective. It worked. It worked. Yeah, it, it worked. worked. It, it, worked.
0: it wasn't quite as we drew it up on the board or it worked in practice, it but worked. it worked. Uh, but no, that was a—I mean—that was an unbelievable game. Just—I mean—just from a mental standpoint of knowing that we can play with anyone. Um, you know, Miami obviously has a huge brain behind them. Um, you know, we're these "quote unquote" slow, hardworking kids from Kansas, and they're these fast. You know, SEC or not SEC, but you know the South Florida speed, um, and and so they had a lot of speed too, and they did have a lot of Tomorrow, speed. Miller. But I mean, you look at the you look at the stat line in that game, and then we did everything right from a discipline standpoint, from a penalty standpoint, from a turnover standpoint to win that game, and that's what it takes to win football games. It's a lot more than just who's the fastest and who's the strongest and um, and all that fun stuff. So it really. Um, I think just from a mental standpoint, it gave us the attitude of we can play with anyone. We can play with OU. We can play with, um, you know, obviously we love beating Texas, and we can play with Oklahoma State, and, uh, or we can play with Oregon, obviously, when we got mashed up with them um, a year later. So it's really, I think, more of a mental st- – and I really think, you know, we beat them nine out of ten times that year. I thought we were the better team, and we felt like that going into film. Um, but really, I mean, that goal line is saying our defense played great that game, our offense played great. I remember, I mean, we lost. It's, we think Kansas is hot. It was hot. <laughs> yeah. It was. I mean, you get off that plane, and I'd, we'd sweat the whole time we were in the sneaking hotel room just because it's a whole okay. other level of humidity. But it was uh, It was quite the game. I know we had a ton of fans down there, and their fans are pretty um, – there weren't a lot of them, but the ones that were there were pretty rowdy. So uh, it was just a, a fun that, game.
1: They love that hurricane siren. He kept playing that over and over throughout the game.
0: Yeah. Third downs. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, I know, the you know, the Trey Walker stand, that's kind of his uh, his claim to fame. He made a great play on that, but we had guys all over that field stepping up and, and playing against guys. Mo- Honestly, I don't know if we were – I'm assuming we were underdogs. I don't know how much of an underdog we were in Vegas, but no one really thought we would stand a chance in that game. Uh, you know, we're just the, you know, the overachieving Big 12 middle of the class, Big 12 team, and, you know, we're going to get smoked by this faster – uh, Miami team, and that's uh, that's not what happened. That game was great. Yeah. Scott and I were watching that
1: together, and yeah. I remember
0: thinking, like, fourth and goal, and it's just like then, everyone
1: <laughs> in the room was thinking, this is vintage case day. Yeah. So we're about to give up. Yeah. We're about to get scored on fourth and goal. Yeah.
2: I, I remember actually saying, let them score and let's try to. Oh, move. yeah. And yeah. All right, so be honest with us. Were you thinking that when they got all, I think they ran, I, I don't remember. It was like, Third or fourth down play, they got all the way down there. Were you thinking, all right, let's just let them score? We had there's a what a minute 40?
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's always it's all obviously just want to even stop them or like get an interception or something, but there always is that in the back of your mind. And and, you know, you can't ask those defenders to. I don't think Coach Snyder has ever conceded a touchdown. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm a schmo here, yeah. out there, but yeah, but that's no. what I was thinking. yeah, and, and because you just hate to, you know, you hate to give your offense no chance to get the ball with nine seconds left, and you know, you got, yeah, you know, a deep pass down the sideline and one mm-hmm. Hail Mary, and like
1: you would have right? had to score a touchdown, too. Yeah, yeah, the way the
0: scoring worked out, we would have had to. we would have been down by um, more than three, so. Uh, that would definitely would have not have been. But it all worked out, and, uh, you know, Trey made a great play. Were you guys freaking
2: out when the hands went up? I remember I was, oh, ready, yeah. I was ready to tear down our house. Yeah. I, mean, I was
0: I was about to punch walls, and then yeah. I went to review,
2: and I was like, "Case state always gets
0: screwed. Yeah, because they played it on the Jumbotron, like, instantly. And we like, you know, we're all watching, and we're like, oh, crap, oh, crap. And then we're like, oh, sweet, it was down. And then we're like, oh, crap, the rest are still going to screw us. Yeah. And so... Uh, but, no, the refs obviously, you know, he was obviously short and got it right. So, But, no, that was a – I think, you know, just that was a turning point. Because, you know, we had um, – we'll go back to 2000, 2009 um, when we went down to Louisiana Lafayette and lost. Um, and, how, hot, how hot was that game? And that, that was a very similar game. I mean, it was hot and humid. <laughs> and just the mental – the mental um, – you know, the mental state we were in from that year to the two years after that was just, you know, unbelievable how far that team had progressed in, in just a short time and and kind of, you know, very similar. You know, they were that Louisiana Lafayette team was actually relatively talented um, for, uh, you know, for a smaller division type program. But it's uh, – and I just remember, you know, we lost that game. And I was a freshman and I didn't quite understand how embarrassing that was. Just because I hadn't been in the program long enough, and the, you know the pride wasn't quite there, um, but it really—I mean—I remember Sean coming in after we lost that game, and I mean he was almost in tears, just like you've embarrassed us, like we cannot like, <laughs> and it was true. I mean, and you know he was just so upset and so angry, like we're K State, like we don't lose to Louisiana yet. and and it was really at that moment I got I got a lot of respect, when I was like, this is like. We're not just playing a game here. Like right? this is the K-State family we're behind. This is the you know the, all the fans that are behind us, and we embar- and they're embarrassed to go to work on Monday because we lost a you know a schmuck team or whatever, a team that's definitely below us in the you know in the division, the NCAA divisions. So it's uh it's amazing how quickly a program can be turned around because just in two short years, you know we're going down to visiting Lafayette and playing awful and losing, and then we go down to Miami, a much higher caliber team with a similar type of you know, personnel across the field and, you know, go in there to their house and, and, you know, and win and play well. So it was just amazing to see in a short turnaround what Coach Snyder was able to do. You,
2: you mentioned that difference between those two years. At what point did it click to you and the guys in the locker room that, hey, we can we can play with anyone? How do you – at what point from that Louisiana-Lafayette game to any point I feel like,
1: on, I feel like – you just answered it. The yeah. Miami game. Well, was it that
2: Miami is that what proved? That <laughs> Probably. Was, or did something happen? Yeah,
0: and I mean it's not obviously instantaneous. Um, you know, there were some I'm trying to remember exactly. I know we played UCLA. We won. We beat UCLA somewhere in there. I believe my sophomore year we beat UCLA. Yep, that was my first uh, game
2: as a college student in the uh, ICATs. So yeah, like, and I think
0: that you know just somewhere. a big a big bre- you see those. You see those names on the helmet, like, oh, UCLA, <laughs> like, man, they're, they're pretty cool. And like even, like, playing Nebraska, like, oh, Nebraska, you walk out of the Nebraska locker room and, you okay. know, they got national championship posters lying in the, the visitor tunnel that you got to walk out and, like, man, we've never won a national championship, they won X amount. And so it, it really, it really was gradual, but beating some of those big names, um, you know, it definitely helps. And just, you know, the gradual work you put in, and Coach Snyder obviously constantly preaching, like, you guys can play with anyone. Like, you just have to do what's right. And even if they're, quote, unquote, better than you, like, that doesn't mean you can't win. And so, really, just finally, um, you know, when enough guys buy into that, then, then you're able to do special things. Shall we pivot a little bit to the next
1: year? Yeah, what? Um, 2012. So, sure. after 2011, Cotton Bowl, we lose to Arkansas. What?
2: It, let me just say before that, we got screwed. We should be one hundred percent should have been in the Sugar Bowl. You guys should have been in a BCS game, and you would have kicked the crap out of Virginia Tech and that. And instead, having to turn around and play that Arkansas. That, but, that Arkansas team was good. They were. Yeah, they were the third best team. Yeah, in they were. The country. They were yeah. good as hell. It, it, and, uh, was that? Was
0: Ryan out the quarterback then? Yeah, it was literally yeah.
1: one, two, and three. Yeah. Arkansas was third at one point, like just a couple of weeks before.
2: Yeah, yeah. and, for, you know, Iowa State screwing over the Big 12 because, you know, they, they beat Oklahoma State, which then, in return, <coughs> just based on how everything goes, stop you guys from going to the Fiesta Bowl that year. And, you know, bowl selection always dropped down, but yeah. But we
1: always are, get bumped down, though. Yeah. But, you know, As I've learned from was, KSO Retro. It was yeah. still fun. Yeah. I
0: got an iPad and I still use it. So yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: what was real quick before we get back to the substantial questions? What was the best bowl gift? Was it the iPad?
0: I think yeah, sophomore year Pinstripe Bowl. That was pretty weak. They didn't do it. Was, they were pretty new. I, I think it was the inaugural. Yeah, I think that was first year. Um, I'll and piss and, you and guys they treated us the well. Yeah. That, oh, my we God. Could have, yeah. We could have asked that, yeah. that
2: earlier. Yeah. the, the locker room with, after that R- real quick because I do know we have. A- <clears throat>
0: no, you're good. And and I'll have another pinstripe bowl story that's even better than that. So, <laughs> that not a lot of people know about. That's uh,
2: perfect. This is perfect. We can throw out the script. Yeah, we'll we go where story. it
0: goes. Um, so, yeah, the salute was unfortunate just because you felt bad for him. Adrian, <laughs> uh, obviously. I know he uh, – there was some meaning behind. I, he, I think he had some family in the military or whatnot. Um, he was just showing his respects, and I mean, just to, you see, you know, throat slits, and you see all sorts of crazy stuff that guys are doing and not getting the flags. I mean, it was just ridiculous. But I know coach was, you know, upset, and you know that's not within the rules, and that was without out of the rules, and so you know, coach will never blame a referee for anything. Um, I will. So I'm gonna blame the rep on that one. That's, per- that's perfect. Yeah. So we that, got a shout out from LeBron after that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we weren't
0: mad at Adrian. We thought it was total, you know, total crap.
2: We do have an expletive rating, so you can you say you can say whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, Just letting you know.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, but pinstripe bull story. So I think it was. I don't remember what night we played. Let's say we played on Saturday. Um, so I think it was like <laughs> Thursday night or Wednesday night. You know, we're walk, walking around and we got like a 10 or 11 o'clock curfew. Um, and I'm like, all right, I'm in New York city. I'm going to eat a New York city hot dog. Cause that's what you do in New York city. You eat a hot oh, dog. Yeah. Well, they just had a giant snowstorm, And so I'm sure the Mr. Hot dog peddler hadn't been selling as many hot dogs as normal. So he apparently gave me like the eight day old hot dog. Oh no! <laughs> and so it's like 3am and I wake up and I'm throwing up. And I try to make it to the bathroom, and I throw up all over my roommate's bed.
2: (laughs) Who was your roommate? It was
0: uh, Andre McDonald. (laughs) And so he was actually great. Like, he called the trainer. And then so, like, the next morning, you know, like, I've just lost a ton of fluids. Like, I still feel like crap. And so, like, I skipped practice that next morning. Or I skipped breakfast. I think I made it to practice that afternoon. And, like... To this day, I still think Coach Schneider thinks I went out and partied the night before. <laughs> and I you know, threw up from drinking too much, which definitely wasn't the case. I mean, it was two nights before a game. There's no way I would do that. And so I'm not quite sure if he ever quite believed the story. But it, to the honest, you know, the honest truth, like I literally just ate a bad hot dog and threw up my brain's Two nights before the game. Well, he and, listens
2: to this podcast, so Coach Snyder. Good, that's good. Snyder, you know, you, you have the real story. It wasn't fake.
0: I, I would go to my grave that that was a bad hot dog. And, you know, it was a snowstorm, so yeah. I, I, I know he, he just saw tourists on my face. And <laughs> I was like, oh, let's give this little tourist the <laughs> – I'm like, really, that's like a quarter for that. Throw those away. Yeah. <laughs> Get some new ones in there. But Where that's all my fans tried both stories. That's perfect. I, I appreciate have. it.
2: <laughs> yeah. So go, going into that 2012 season, what were off-season workouts like? What were spring practice like? Going from, you know, a, a great season in 2011, but you returned so much. What was that entire off-season like?
0: I mean, I think we, one, we returned a lot. And it's one thing to return, and I'll be, um, quote-unquote, Humble. I mean, I, I understood my role. I was a role player. I knew I wasn't an Arthur Brown or a Chris Harper or a Tyler Lockett. Um, so it's one thing to return a bunch of guys like me who are good but not superstars. Um,
2: all conference,
0: all conference, but not all American level. So share but, but when we had, I mean, we had a half dozen guys who were, you know, Arthur, Chris, um, trying to think. You know, BJ Finney was on that team. Cody Whitehair was on that team. Colin was on that team. Um, you know, there were so – Lockett was on that team. I mean, we had a half dozen guys, maybe more, that were – Zim was on that team. Um, Emmanuel Lemur, was, was he on that team? Or yeah. no was he that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I
2: think he was. Yeah.
0: Um, no, he would have been gone. No. He was your, oh, yeah, he was yeah, your older yeah. man. But still – I think he graduated 11. Yeah, yeah, he, 11 was his last year. But there were so many guys on that team that were, you know, all-American caliber players, and that really makes a difference when you know – leaving the 2011s and you're like man we not only do we have guys back like we don't have we don't just have experience like we have some guys that are really good and they're experienced um, and you know Colin was such a good leader from the offensive side of the ball and Arthur on the defensive side of the ball Arthur and Zim they were they played off each other really well um, honestly both of them were very quiet lead by example type guys um, so it really just kind of all came together, and the pieces were in place to, um, you know, create something special for that year. So um, it, it just, you know, we went into the off season we did the exact same thing we ever did, we, we did every year, just like, you know, Coach Snyder, his consistency. It's like, you know, he expected as much as us out of our freshman year, as did his senior year. Um, we just happened to have better pieces, um, you know, sitting at the table. So we really went into the same. And I remember Colin getting up um, in summer camp, and kind of just giving a speech that was like why can't we lose zero games he's like we're we're zero and zero right now why can't we be perfect like that's the caliber that's the level i'm holding myself to i want to be perfect every single game i want to throw zero incomplete passes zero interceptions that's my goal if i and obviously it's borderline impossible for a quarterback to do that but don't tell colin that (laughs) because he was going for it and so anything less than perfect is a failure and that's kind of the attitude um, we took into that senior year. And that's the attitude we took into every year, but I think our senior year, like, we actually believed it. Yeah. <laughs> it like, freshman year, like, all right, like, you know, we're not going to be national championships. Like, we're, we got no quarter, we're, we're, you know, scrambling for a quarterback. We got a lot of holes. You know, let's try to improve and get better. And uh, You know, our goal was to make a bowl game. And, we and you know, we missed out our freshman year by one game. Um, you know, sophomore year, we made a bowl game. Junior year, we made a, uh, you know, a pretty good bowl in the Cotton Bowl. Um, And then senior year, obviously, you know, we made a run and we put all the pieces together um, and had a lot of fun and won a lot of games. So uh, that's really the mentality we had is we were trying to have a perfect season and we knew we had the pieces in place to to make a a run at it. In a season like that,
1: what is like – what's the difference between like an 11 – to 12 in terms of like media scrutiny and like pressure do you feel like the pressure inside like manhattan when you're when you're in that type of a season where you're you're reaching the heights of a number one vcs does the pressure get to you or do you guys
0: try to let it roll off your back oh i'm sure it got to some guys um
1: like how does the coaching staff handle that type of
0: thing yeah i mean i think those coaches have been around for so long they don't really they just try to tell us to ignore it and you know you obviously read it and you know I'm with everyone else you like reading stories about yourself naturally so. there's got to be a difference with you know when espn's coming to town and yeah you, i mean got i mean features on espn yeah i mean scott Van Pelt came to town and right. you know holly road did a special and so you know there's all sorts of more media around um that that wasn't there and obviously you know with colin getting making a run for the heisman that was um you know a little added distraction but i mean i didn't really let it affect me uh i just kind of Enjoyed it, and and you, I knew it was something special. And so you might as well, um, you know, enjoy the attention, enjoy the um, you know the media coverage, and just know that that's. But he can't let it be a distraction because um, you know then you lose to Baylor and the whole season goes down the drain. So, uh, and I don't think that's the reason you know we lost to Baylor, but uh, no, it definitely um, it's there. I think we had a, a group of mature guys because I think we were pretty senior led. Um, you know, I can definitely see an 18-year-old kid being able to get distracted and influenced by that. But I don't think it really played too much of an effect other than, you know, I think, you know, I personally just chose to, um, you know, soak it in and appreciate the moment because I knew, you know, that was my senior year and that's probably it. So I might as well have fun while I'm on the way out the door. <laughs> yeah,
2: th- this is a little off script. When did you find out that Alabama had lost to Texas A&M and that opened up? the door to you guys eventually getting that number one BCS ranking. I believe you were at TCU. Did you guys find that out before the game or was it after?
0: I'm not sure. I know, I can't quite remember. Like home games, we have access to, um, you know, there's a few TVs on. And so, you know, as we're killing time um you know we're not sitting there watching football but you could walk by and see a couple scores and whatnot and figure out who's beat who um i can't recall a tcu i don't think um you know they have great facilities but i don't remember there being a tv and coach Snyder takes our phones away before the games um so no one's checking phones or anything um so i don't think they'll after the game um if i recall and and really even if even if it did Leak. I don't think I would have been, like really cared. <laughs> well, we got TC. TC is a pretty pretty good opponent. We got TCU oh, yeah. to worry about. Um, so no, if it, it might have leaked out in walked before, and like, oh my goodness, if we you know take care of business here, you know we're bumping up. Um, so, but who knows? I don't remember. That was a long time ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, no.
2: that, that's fine. That's fine.
0: Well, you ended almost
1: on a perfect segue there. Um, Baylor, of course. The bear mauling. <laughs> Oh, uh, so what was it like inside the program leading up to Baylor? You guys were number one at that point in the BCS. What was the mood going into Baylor in the locker room? Did you have any, like, nerves being number one? Did that change anything? Or, I mean, we had a lot of injuries that came. What were your concerns going into that, and what was the mood after?
0: Um, I mean, the week leading up to it was, Pretty normal. I mean, we felt confident going in. I mean, we had no um, put a game plan, plan together, and we thought it would work. And it, you know, from an offensive side of the ball, at least, you know, we felt pretty confident that we could go in there and um, you know put up forty plus. And that's kind of you know, from an offensive side, you kind of talk with some of the defensive guys, and you're like, all right, how many points we got to put up this week to win? Like, I know you. It, it, we were always looking for a shutout, but. Like, how good is their offense? Like, if can you hold them to 20? Like, all right, we'll put up 30. All right, we're good. There's a 10-point spread there. So, um, you know, we, we looked at their defense. Right? There's no reason we can't put up 40 points. Um, and obviously that did not happen. Um, and, and we ended up uh, getting destroyed in that game. But I know, I mean, looking back, we probably should have had a little more worry um, just with Zim being out. He was such a key piece to that defense. Um, and, and I know a lot of people forget yeah. – Um, you know that Baylor that Baylor team from that point on. I mean, if you look at their record after that game, I mean, it was like I don't know, like thirty and three or something. It was something stupid for the next four seasons. So like that was really their launching point to the Baylor that we you know we've known. They had Uh, a lot of close losses that year too. Yeah, they they were were super talented. Oh yeah, they were good and um and so. But I mean, we came in just as confident as ever, and I just remember like. Midway through the second quarter, like, just nothing is working. Like, every play we call, it's like, you know, they're running a perfect blitz into it or they're running a perfect whatever defense into it and, like, just getting so stinking frustrated. And it's kind of hard when you're the tight end because it's like, all right, like, I did my block, (laughs) two-yard loss. And, like, you know, that happens every once in a while. But when you do it a whole game, like, I remember I graded out at, like, 97% or something. I had, like, a one minus, like, one missed block. And it's like, well, I played, like, I did my part. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's just nothing and i they were uh i remember watching that game we watched that game with colin um that next sunday or monday um i mean and they called some very fortunate defenses into some of our unfortunate offenses so um yes they outplayed us and you know they they put they threw some good schemes together um but there were some very unfortunate uh play callings that happened on our side that just you know don't you know, you, they get you every once in a while, but, I mean, they went, like, 10 for 10 on, like, unfortunate uh, play calls, and so it was a frustrating game, and it's really the morale on the sideline, it's just like, you know, you get to the bench on a three and out, and you talk to your right tackle and your, your left tackle, and you're like, did you get your block? They're like, yeah, like, my dude is on the ground, <laughs> and I'm like, well, I got my block, and you go down to the guard, did you get your block? yeah. Go to the center. Did you get your guard? Yeah, block. Yeah, and then it's like, well, why did we lose three yards? <laughs> and it's like, well, they brought one more than we had. And it's like, well, then let's throw the ball. And the next <laughs> thing you know, they're you know dropping seven. It's like, oh my goodness. So they were. It was just a cat and mouse game that we couldn't get ahead. Um, and and it was a it was as frustrating of a game as I've ever been, especially because we knew if we win that game, you know, we're probably going to the national championship. And so, and having a chance to bring... Don't Denny. say that. Yeah. And, so, and we're hopefully, and it looked like we were playing Notre Dame. Oh. And a beatable yeah. Notre Dame. That's a, Dame. Dub. That's a definitely a guys, win. A favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it probably would have been, you know, one of the lowest. Travis, you would have won that game. Yeah, I know. We would but have beat Notre Dame. I think we would have. I know we would have. And so, it's... Uh, and I don't think the guys felt that pressure, but, I mean, I don't know. I didn't feel it. Um... So maybe they did, and and but I mean, you looked across the board, and like you know, people, no one played like terrible. No one peed down their leg or anything. It was just the plays weren't working, and and they were outplaying us and out scheming us. And um, you know, coaches made adjustments, and they were you know right there. How banged up was Colin at this point? That was pretty late in the season. He I was mean, pretty he was pretty rough. And I, I mean, it seemed like any we were season, decimated.
2: I yeah, because I thought he went out for a period of time in that Oklahoma State game. He Was you know, never the same. I, I didn't think he was the same, and I they ended up bringing him back because I think one of my personal favorite Daniel Sams, you know, I, I think he could do no wrong, but he sputtered in that game. They had to bring Kong back, and he took a couple more hits. Yeah, I just from that moment, I don't know if he truly was all there. Did he lead that on to you guys?
0: Yeah, I mean, I know I'm trying to think back. I mean. Every season is a long season oh. for starters. I mean you're gonna you're not coming away. If you start twelve games you're
2: especially the way you,
0: Especially the way was. they not abused Colin, but the way they use The way K State uses corps. Yeah, it, it's just I, I mean, mean, there's it's you don't want them to start as a freshman. They'll never make it to their senior year. Yeah. <laughs> they only got one or two good years. <laughs> and and that's you know so it's so I mean he was banged up. I mean I was banged up. I was getting um, you know, I've separated both my shoulders, my one my sophomore year, one my senior year, Um, so, you know, I'm, you know, we're all, I was barely practicing at that point of the year, Um, you know, no contact, just going through the drills, making sure I understood what defenses they were throwing out, and making sure I was mentally ready to play, Um, and I think Colin was pretty much at that point, too. I don't think he was throwing much um, during, during the week, And, and that's just, you know it's not an excuse but yeah it's a long season and the other teams are going against it too and sometimes it only takes one or two key, key players um to really affect that and a banged up quarterback Colin Klein and um and, and Zim I mean those are Zim was probably our even if he wasn't the most talented he was probably the most important um player on that defense um and and probably the biggest I mean that's just a huge hole. He's the quarterback and the Yeah, and, and they they exposed that hole. Um even if, you know, Arthur Brown would've got out, well there's three other linebackers, you know, there's if we're running a three linebacker set, well there's two other ones that can it's a lot easier to expose a, a strong safety we're than pretty it is. solid linebackers that year too. Yeah. And so yeah, we were banged up, but I don't think, you know we it were it happens. Yeah, it happens. That's part of that's part of K State football and it, <laughs> uh, But well, we weren't healthy, that's for sure. So
1: we took a brutal l to Baylor. How much of that disappointment was numbed by turning around and winning the Big Twelve? Quite a bit. That was a fun game. I remember um, that was a fun game. That, that was, was the, the best atmosphere like in a while. That
0: was. It was a good atmosphere. I would probably classify that as my, you know, my favorite game of my of my career. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just Willie going up on the there press. box. There was a good Willie on the press box. Willie on the press box was about one of the cooler things. I mean, just chills up your spine. The whole crowd doing it, um, and then you know, just the crowd rushing the rushing the field was awesome. I'm I was so mad. I somehow ended up next to Zim when the crowd rushes the field, and I'm like, "Well, crap! Zim's got a broken leg. I got to make sure he doesn't get trampled." So I ended up like taking care of a uh, a banged up Zim. I think you know, did he have a leg or shoulder don't or what? Yeah, I think it was leg. Like, Yeah, knee, maybe. Yeah, I think he tore his knee or did something to his knee. Um, And so I remember, like, having to, like, guard Zim the whole time to make sure no fans trampled him. And I was like, man, I should be out there running down, having fun, and got to be the responsible one to make sure, because he was obviously junior at that point. I was like, we got to have him back next year. I mean, I'll be gone. I got to worry about K-State. We need Zim back. So, you know, but, no, that was an unbelievable game. And really, I mean, even though we preached, you know, we wanted to be perfect that year. I mean, the goal every year is to win the Big 12, and that's really an obtainable, obtainable goal every single year. Um, and that's that was our number one goal: win the Big 12. And then you see where you are in the national standings and see you know how good of a bowl game you get. And you know that was one of our goals, and that's something we achieved. And as a senior, you know that was um, you know one of the highlights of my career, and, and loved every minute of that game, especially against Texas because they're the worst. Uh, so it's always fun beating them. I would agree.
2: Uh, So, you know that that's when you 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 played the Fiesta Bowl. But after that, your K State career comes to a close. What was the process like of attempting to play in the NFL and then the NFL undrafted free agent process for you?
0: Yeah, it was um, it was interesting and fun. Um, You know, I had talked to a couple um, a couple agents at that point, and I'm a pretty realistic human being. I knew I was a Borderline guy, you know, late seventh, free agent kind of guy. Um, unfortunately, a lot of senior athletes, um, these agents pump some lies into their brain, and they think they're going third round. And I'm like, well, I'm better than you. And I know I just it's all public information. Just look <laughs> up where you're slotted, and you're probably going to go there. And so um, it was uh, – I knew I was going to have to work my tail off to find a way onto a roster. Um, which didn't really affect how I approached things. I just knew, you know, this is a long shot, but it's your only, you know, I'm going to go for it. Why not? Um, so I, uh, I hired an agent. Um, they sent me down to Houston to do the, you know, pre, um, combine slash pro day, um, testing. And it was, uh, you know, a good experience lived down there for, I don't know, eight weeks, 12 weeks, something like that. Um, came up to K-State's pro day, um ran pretty well, did pretty well, had a good had a good workout. Um and then, you know, you kinda just sit at home and wait until you know, keep where I worked out at uh, you know, Semino's Mark Semino's gym in Kansas City, um until, you know, draft day. And then you kinda just uh you know, you watch the first and the second round but you know, you don't watch your phone very close so <laughs> you know they're not gonna call. <laughs> and so, um but you know, that sixth, seventh round you're you're talking with your agent, you know, your agent's talking with GMs and um, some of the personnel, like, all right, where are we, you know, who's got interest, who's calling? Because they do, you know, they're calling on questions. Those war rooms are um, pretty intense and, you know, they think they got their guy and then the team right before them takes them. And, you know, the first round's is pretty um, – a little bit of movement. Once they get to the sixth and seventh round, you know, there's guys down there that they've done their research on. But, you know, there's a lot of questions by the time you get to that point. There's been a lot of guys off the board. Um, And, you know, they're not quite near as thorough on those seventh-round guys as they are on the first-round guys. So, um, but kind of came – I believe it came down to Cleveland and Denver um, were the two teams that were offering me the best free agent contract, which still included, you know, a small signing bonus. And um, They – we felt like Cleveland was my best opportunity to make a team. I mean, the goal isn't to, you know – make a little bit of signing bonus and then get cut and go to the real world. The goal is to make a team. And so yeah. um, looking at the Denver roster, I don't recall exactly who was on there at that time, but they had two or three studs. Um, and I was like, well, I'm not beating those guys out. So, um, so I went to Cleveland. Um, and looking back, maybe Denver might have been the better opportunity um, just because there was Cleveland's uh, Cleveland. When it comes to NFL football, um, so there was a lot of you know first year coaching staff and just a lot of um, I had North Turner with my OC. Um, he ran a very very complicated, confusing system that even like my position coach was like, "This is the stupidest offense I've ever seen." So um, like just the way he played called plays, I was like, "I'm a pretty smart guy. Like I'm not stupid." And I'm like, and "I'm like, I had to work very very hard to learn the stinking playbook." I'm like, "This is not that complicated." Like. Let's just call some plays, <laughs> and so, um, but uh, so yeah, and, and it just didn't work out, and, and I and it was fine. But I got to play, you know, four preseason games. You know, was up in Cleveland all summer. Um, got cut on my last preseason game. Um, had after my last preseason game, had a couple of workouts. I think the Jets and the Chiefs. Um, you know, those next few months. And I was never uh, a guy who was gonna you know hang on for three or four years and keep working out. I was like, you know what, I I, I made it. Um, you know, I got good knees and a good brain. Um, yeah. You know, no concussions throughout my career. I so you avoid the CTE.
1: So you're yeah.
0: So I was like, you know what? It, there's plenty of other ways to make a dollar in this world. Because um, you know, I, I had friends that tried to hang on for three or four years. I mean, that's four years out of your career that you could have promote. You know, and and it, even the guys that do make it, you know, the average whatever is three and a half years, three years. So, um, and it's there's a big difference between NFL and college, and some of that brain injury type stuff you know it's um you know you think about that and you're like man these guys are i'm big and fast and these guys are twice as big as fast as me <laughs> and these collisions are hurting a lot more than college <laughs> and so it, it's just uh you know you, i mean i'm not gonna tell you i wouldn't have played if they, they're gonna pay me half a million dollars i'll go play but yeah. <laughs> uh so you know it just i wasn't willing to put my career on hold um for the small small slim chance that someone's gonna call me up so at that point we just said you know what let's uh get to work and go from there. Speaking of
2: career, tell the fans what have you been up to since you hung up the Gleets?
0: Well, I've uh, I've been in insurance since since we got out of, uh, of football. Kind of bounced around a little bit, doing a little bit of life insurance, a little bit of home modeling and business. Been in Kansas City uh, for a couple years. Got married to my wife. We actually got down a little closer towards the Wichita market. Um, and then we actually was working for a guy down there. And then actually last summer opened up my own Independent agencies, so um, got our way back to Manhattan. Um, my wife's working up there. We're working up there um, and loving being back in Manhattan and uh, enjoying life. So been doing the insurance route. It's uh, it's fun and gives me the flexibility to uh, you know today's Thursday and a lot of guys couldn't have made this on a you know I'm two or hour, two hours away from Manhattan and gives me the flexibility you know be my own boss. And
1: yeah, I really appreciate you coming on uh i don't know why you're here but it's very fortunate to have you my grandma's 70th birthday party
0: okay, last night awesome, so okay. that's why i was in town yeah, you didn't uh, make the it, trip it for was, us bless her the premier heart
2: premier kate state sports podcast yeah, that yeah. It, on by it worked fans. it worked out very
0: well <laughs> worked
1: out very we well. would have come to manhattan just FYI we, we might come again you still later. need yeah. to come to manhattan because yes. by the way this is some damn good pon- content yes this is our
2: best episode <laughs> by far
1: the seven. funniest thing is like First thing I noticed was when we've had other guests on, it takes – there's a little grace period where they kind of start to get comfortable. You just went boom, 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 like well, right into it. Like, you know, I broadcast games. Right, right yeah. Well, and that's kind I've of been on ESPN. That's kind
2: <laughs> of what I was trying to yeah. lead you into. Uh, how how did you get into the broadcasting career?
0: And Yeah, I mean, that's just – obviously, it's really hard to make a living when you only work 12 days a year, yeah, <laughs> 12 Saturdays a year. So I always knew I didn't want to do that full time. Um, and nor, like I didn't want to be a guy that moved to Bristol or LA, um, and you know, be an in studio guy. I'm a small town guy, um, or a Kansas guy. Mm-hmm. I don't like, uh, you know, I used to live in a town of 2,500 people, and Manhattan seems big to me. <laughs> Driving down here to downtown Kansas City seemed really big to me. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, that led to the opportunity of, uh, you know, I'm like, well, where can I fit in? Can I be a, um, you know, the analysts, which is, you know, typically what the former players do. So I reached out to some of my contacts at K-State. You know, Matt Walters is one of them. Um, You know, just uh, Brian Smoller was one of them. Some of the guys um, up there and they've really been very helpful and, and, you know, willing to give me any advice. They've um, any connections. They've been, you know, sent me plenty of Email addresses that those people probably didn't want handed out, and I've hounded them. So um, it's been a it's been a fun learning curve. Uh, you know, I've called a couple dozen high school games now, um, and it, it, I but don't let anyone think. I mean, I started at the bottom. I was calling high school radio for small town high school two a three a radio, and then you know last season I worked my way up to you know calling um an Akron, a game at Akron for ESPN 3 so um that took me four seasons to get there I'm 28 now serving I was like 23 so um definitely put my time in um and I still get to do quite a bit of stuff for uh K-State um you know last year I got to call the home opener on ESPN 3 which was awesome I watched uh, that game yeah that was a lot of fun hopefully um with you on it yeah crossing my fingers open that all um I'm not exactly I haven't talked to Brian uh, I haven't talked to Smoler on. I'm assuming I don't even know if
2: Brian and I are also Twitter best friends. So if okay. you need if you need me to twist his arm on the internet, okay. I can. Uh, yeah, I can do that for. Because I, I,
0: I know there was because that was the first year that ESPN contract was set up that way. Oh, so yeah. I'm assuming that is that way. But maybe I didn't do a good enough job and I got the boot. So <laughs> who knows? So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'd love to keep in that world. Um, honestly, I mean, I hate to – my, my lifelong plans, but I would. Love, when Stan Weber retires, I, that would be my, my dream job. Would to take Stan Weber's job in you know twenty years. When you he heard it here retired. first. Yeah. Travis so. is
1: gunning for Stan Travis, Weber. Not gunning Travis for his job. Is just I don't. On
0: our podcast
2: <laughs> that he is better than. Stan no, Weber. I did not say that. Stan, <laughs> Stan does a great job. Stan does a great job, yeah, and side. I enjoy
0: Stan. And he's a good friend. <laughs> but I
2: can't. I can't wait to be on the lookout for you. I hope uh, maybe if you give us enough notice, we might be able to. Plug what games you're doing, especially if it's on the ESPN3 platform. So you know, our hundreds of thousands, close to a million listeners now, uh, <laughs> just can, shy of a million, just, just shy, shy of a million, shy. can can
0: tune in. Um,
2: we're running a little long, so I think we may need to set up. A I know you gotta time. go. Yeah.
0: No, we're good. I just got softball. I can be late. Oh okay, my well, god! All right, well, all right. right. Yeah. Here, here's the. We got a, we got another 10, 15 minutes. Okay. okay.
2: We'll, we will we will we will we'll figure this out live. Not live, but on the podcast, we're not getting hit it up. Do you wanna do a quick preview of the two thousand eighteen season? Do you wanna hold off on that and we can come back at another time, or do you wanna get into our questions that we solicited from all of our bonehead
0: fans on Twitter? Let's go straight into the questions. Okay, and I told you guys I told you guys beforehand I don't I pay attention to K State football in the off season, but I really don't study it until about mid July. just because guys quit, guys get hurt. Okay. So I'm not totally prepared to talk to 2018 so, so, so yet, so we'll is, come back to that later in yes, the summer.
2: so Grant and I will come up to Manhattan and visit you Perfect. for a more in-depth preview of the 2018 season. So we're going to get into our questions from our boneheads, is what we like to call them. Uh, Grant and I kicked this idea around how we really wanted to answer this question. We went back and forth on a snake draft idea, all that type of stuff. But I think what we're going to land on, because it's Mount Rushmore season... Our good friend at It's Native, you know Shane, he's a good he's a good, solid listener. He wanted us to do the Mount Rushmore of pizza toppings. We kind of evolved it to make your perfect pizza with four toppings, cheese and sauces included, so you don't have to waste it on that. Uh, I'll go first because I've had these questions along, so I'll let you two think about it a little bit. But if I were doing my perfect pizza, I'd go a little bit heavier on the sauce than most people. I, I like a good sauce. Uh, Regular, you know, just pizza cheese. But I'm going to go Italian sausage, mushrooms, jalapenos, and bacon. So, a little bit spin on Mount Rushmore season, but that's my perfect pizza. So, Grant, Travis, which one of you are going to go next?
0: I'm a big pizza fan. Oh, I'm a, you know, there's no bad pizza. I mean, even like the... Frozen pizza from Walmart is delicious. That's actually true. Right? I like the cro- Totino's pizza from Walmart is unbelievable. Like I the, like
1: frozen pizza more than delivery. Yeah, I mean, agrees. Frozen pizza is like a so whole other good. category. Just so
0: delivery
2: good. pizza is overrated. Yeah. I agree
0: with you. Um, I would probably go, you know, growing up in Kansas City, I'm a barbecue guy, so I would have to go with barbecue wow. chicken pizza Ooh. is my favorite. Um, I've never had Oklahoma Joe's sauce is my favorite. So I have a pizza from the ground up built with Oklahoma Joe's sauce. Um, you know, chicken, onions, peppers White cheese on there Whatever that and cheese you is get,
2: You get one more topping Because sauce and cheese was included Those Okay, so good. I get one more Yep
0: So, what did I say? Chicken, I'm onions, peppers, peppers.
2: Just have some pork on there Yeah, probably a, another
0: meat Probably some sausage Oh yeah, yeah Sa- some smoked go. sausage That actually sounds like pretty sounds good, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds pretty good I don't crazy. know if is... just sauce Hey,
2: that, that could be your first uh, endorsement Oklahoma Joe's and Joe's Kansas City now. Yeah, Joe's Kansas City. Yeah, we're confusing their branding. (laughs) Big Time Travis Barbecue Pizza. I'm in. All right, we got Um, contacts. We'll make it happen. I'll be your
1: agent. (laughs) I'm gonna go with. That's what sent me to Cleveland. (laughs)
2: Hey, I I promise you. I promise you, I will not send you to (laughs) Cleveland. All right, Grant. Yeah.
1: All right, I'm gonna go with. My baseline it seems like if I always get two toppings, it's pepperoni and green pepper. I'm gonna add, I'll start with that pepperoni, green pepper. Add some jalapeno to that for spice. Love a little spice. And then I'm gonna go a little unorthodox. This is gonna get some pushback. Pineapple. Nah, no. Because it complements the sweet and spicy, and it's good.
2: I don't know. All right, everyone, make sure to tweet in. I'm gonna get fit for that. But. Leave a five. All right, here, here's how we will settle this. Leave a five-star review and tell us whether pineapple belongs on pizza. For every person who does that, I will enter you in a drawing for home opener football tickets. I have two of them I'm going to get away. We teased them last week. That will get you your first entry into the drawing. Let us know. Five-star review, pineapple on pizza, yes or no. Uh, The second question is going to come from uh, one of the best friends of the pod, M. Mainan3. One of the other roommates that Grant screwed over in order to live with Travis. Hey, uh, if I didn't, then yes. I probably wouldn't be here. In hindsight, I'm. It so all worked bad. out. Yes, this is the best thing that's probably ever happened in my life.
0: I'm uh, <laughs> sorry for your life. <laughs> it was a little bit hyperbolic.
2: It's a little bit hyperbolic. Uh, so he wanted to know how would you like to see the touches split at running back this year? I broke it out just simple percentages. I said. Out of touches out of the backfield, I would want Barnes to get 35, Silman 25, McCoy 25, Wormack 10, and Assorted fullbacks 5%. Yeah,
0: I would I think Barnes and Silman probably I would be similar to you except I would maybe bump them up a little more. Um, I think those two are the clear um, the clear favorites. Um, so maybe forty, forty, and then everyone else at the twenty. So um, I'd actually but, like
1: to see Silman get some more touches this year. I feel like he hasn't gotten much attention, but
0: I don't know. It's a I good problem know. to have. We have yes. depth, which is good, um, but I also know there's some rhythm in there, and but there's also some longevity. So it's such a hard balance. Like I want you want the guys to get rhythm, but you want them to last the whole season. Yeah, you, I so, can say
2: whatever I want at, on June whatever this is. Yeah, seventh June seventh from Kansas City. Ride the hot hand, uh,
1: Yeah, you know. Barnes is obviously the guy um, I agree. that's gonna that should get the bulk of the carries, I would mm-hmm. think. But we got a second we'll running back that we'll see that we have so much depth, like let's throw the ball seventy times a game. That sounds more fun.
0: Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll tell you this.
2: <laughs> if if Sky is the guy, I would love to see him air it out and I you know, I think we have But had do we
1: have the receivers for that? I was just about to say I don't uh, know. Uh,
2: you know, we'll, we'll, we'll we're going to hold off yeah, on we'll that. We'll save yeah. that for later on in the summer. Uh, Brett Morey1 asked, what are you guys' expectations for the upcoming football season? And what other teams other than K-State are you excited to watch this season? Uh, like we've started to say, we'll talk deeper K-State later on in the summer. But I just said, I want to see us competitive in every single Big 12 game. I think we end up around the upper to middle class at the Big 12. And then for the teams, I'm excited to see play. I'm a big action guy. I hope you know. I want to see you calling the Tuesday night action games <laughs> on ESPN and ESPN two. My favorite. I, I, I'm I'm a big Toledo guy. I will watch their games on ESPN three anytime I get a chance. I think Matt Candle might be the next up and coming guy to come out of the MAC. And then I'm really intrigued to see what Texas finally does. Is Texas finally back? I personally think they are. We'll see. Uh, Minnesota, I was a big PJ Flut guy when he was at Western Michigan. You know, here's here's the rhythm. I like those MAC schools. I'd like to see what he can finally do. And you know, I said Miami, can someone finally stop Clemson? You know, their defense was there last year. Can they take another step? We'll see. And then Mississippi State. I want to see what Moorhead does as the head coach there. I want to see what they do after they come into Manhattan. Hopefully, unlike Vanderbilt, they don't you know tank like a lead balloon right after they <laughs> play us. Hopefully we beat yeah. them. But, I was uh, at that game. That was so depressing. Uh, so so depressing. Yeah, that it was, was hell. very depressing. I, that took the air out of the balloon for the, the whole trip. <laughs> yeah, I was in the yeah. third row right in the K-State. It was... It's not fun. So, those are – that's what I'm thinking. What about you guys? Just generic. What are you expecting out of K-State and some other schools you're looking for <clears throat> to watching? Uh,
0: from K-State, no, I agree with you. I think we can compete in every single game. Um, you know, whether all those end up in Ws is a whole other, you know, story. Whether, you know, the it always seems like there's five plays that make or break a game in a close game. So, um, whether that ball bounces our way or not, um, who knows. But I think, you know – Realistic, I think we should be able to compete and you know have a chance to win almost every single game, which is um, what you want to feel like going into a game or going into a season. Um, other teams, um, I'm, I would love. I'm excited to watch Texas this year. I've been, I was really high on Charlie Strong and uh, and I love Charlie, and I still think if he would have been given the time, um, he might have been able to turn things around. But South he, Florida
2: might be a good school to yeah. watch this year too.
0: Yeah, so South Florida, um, I'm excited to see. Um, Nebraska with uh, with Frost back. Um, I'm obviously excited to see. I love watching Penn State play. Um, I'll see how they rebound. Um, you know, with Barkley gone um, and that stud tight end um, with him gone as well. So they've got some holes to fill. Um, so probably probably Nebraska, Penn State, um, and then Texas would be would yeah. be my three. Nebraska.
1: Um, as far as K State goes, I kind of expect us. Hope for us to finish top four roughly. Um, and as far as other teams go, and I don't really care that much, but I have some interest, definitely in Nebraska. See what he can do there, Scott Frost, and uh, Texas A&M. See how Jimbo Fisher handles the that Colt no over way there. He loses I hope that I hope that they fail badly. I hate Texas a and I'll always hate Texas A&M, and I don't think Texas is back. I'm just gonna say it on the record. I don't think they're back,
2: but oh, we'll see. It'll be fun to watch. Speaking of hating Texas A&M. Mike Murray KS. Can we get petty and talk about favorite losses of other teams? Looking for times you're really rooting against another school for personal, political, or moral reasons and justice prevailed in the end. I took this to mean, you know, games not involving K-State. The two that instantly came to my mind were the last two Big 12 championship games before we went down to 10 teams. And both of those games – Nebraska lost in heartbreaking fashion. You know the UT UNL game, 0-9, the one second left on the clock, all the controversy. What you know? Did the ball hit out in? Texas have gotten off a field goal. Loved watching Nebraska lose in controversial fashion, and then their final year uh, as the as a Big Twelve North school, OU beating them. So those were my favorite. What about you? The Times K State not involved, but you just love watching. The yeah,
0: there's a few teams that I I'm always cheering very very heartily against. Nebraska being one, um, I think, which which is weird. It, it I don't cheer as hard against them now now that they're part of the Big Ten, just because it doesn't really matter as much. Um, I respect Nebraska a lot because I think you know Lincoln's bigger than Manhattan, obviously, but it's a pretty similar you know blue collar town. Um, and, you know, and they found a way to, uh, you know, they were maybe a couple decades ahead of K-State and they were able to get some momentum and become that top five program that, or that K-State's never quite been able to consistently become. Um, so I think there is a lot of respect there, um, but I still hate them. Um, so, and I never beat them. And my sister went there and she played softball there, so Ugh. she gives me crap. And, and I hate them, but I miss them. I, I would love to play them now because, like, we would have we smoked them. My junior, senior year. Well, I mean, they were probably, terrible.
2: you know, after that very, very, very disappointing game in 2010, that was
0: Jesus. Yeah, that was for terrible. Yeah. I
2: feel like almost every season after that, including up to last year, I think we would have
0: just. Yeah, exactly. Oh and so, God, I mean, we could have had a decade of, a close a, to a decade of. of kicking their ass. Of, yeah, which would have been a whole lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I always cheer against Notre Dame. I'm not a big Notre Dame guy. i um, like to hear that. Probably the the Alabama Auburn game a few yeah, years back yeah, yeah, where yeah. the Auburn returned the was the return the field K-6. goal. Yes. that was yeah, the that most was awesome. Insane I, thing. Yeah. I've ever there seen there
2: will life. never be a play that tops
0: that. Yeah, and so that was just a whole lot of. Fun. I mean, I don't love anyone in the SEC, but I especially hate Alabama um, just because they're so good. Um, but so it was that. That was probably one of the top games where I just. That was such a, such a way to lose a game, and it was just awesome that it happened to them. So, I didn't prepare for this question at
1: all, so I've been digging through my brain the last minute or so. We'll just go Alabama. It was really nice to see Oklahoma and Trevor Knight beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. That, that was, was a good one. I, I enjoyed thought, watching that. Um, I'm always cheering against Notre Dame. Mm, I don't know. That's that's pretty much all I have to add. <laughs> I love seeing the Like USC, football. any of those big, USC, uh, any other top I, five programs? I like that to that watch USC hate. lose, too. Um yeah. Oregon. Yeah, I cheer against order. Baylor. Yeah. Constantly. Much cheaters. Um, well, it's funny it was I had one in my head before this. I cheer against Baylor because they're just it's despicable, the culture that they've created with their, all that dog shit that they were involved in. And I was like, <laughs> my game that I was going to reference was Baylor-Michigan State. But Michigan State now is just as bad as Baylor with their scandals. So yeah. it's like... Uh, we'll just leave think that one. Yeah. we'll leave that one uh, aside. But yeah. all the all those top teams, it's I, it's it's easy to cheer against. Them. Yeah, it's always but easy to
0: cheer for the underdog. I mean, yeah. It seems like every time I do,
1: off. they they lose. So. Yeah, the the underdog does not win. So, <laughs> uh,
2: second to last question coming from Big Al o three four. I think he's gotten into almost every single yeah, podcast and yeah. might might be because he asks good questions. It might be because he's my little brother. I don't know. <laughs> but if, if k did not renew with Nike, what brand would you want for the Cats? That is just is – I don't ever want to see that. I'm a big yeah. Nike guy. I'm assuming that also means you can't go with Jordan since it's the same corporate entity. If Jordan's available, I'll take Jordan, and that'll just be my out. I'll, I'll let you guys.
0: I, I wouldn't be sad to see him go Under Armour. I, I think Under Armour's got some good stuff. Um, and also I like Under Armour because I like to hunt hunt fish yeah, and they yeah, have yeah. hunting and fishing lines so I like what they stand for and what they support and you know they're a relatively um, you know they're a good story they've come around you know within the last couple of decades um, up in Maryland I believe yep. so they were, they were able to uh, you know a good entrepreneurship story where they were able to create a new technology and kind of find a piece of that market share so I would go Under Armour definitely not Adidas though Thank goodness, KU, Gross.
1: uh. Well, that said, (laughs) you're gonna go. Adidas? I might go Adidas, only because. Well, there's. I don't know. The thing that is best about Adidas is they have by far and away the best tennis shoes and of any company by far. They have amazing shoes, but other than that, like they have nothing else good. And their uniform design is god awful. So it's really hard. Have a
2: couple good ones. The reason I could never go Under Armour, I think every basketball school of Under Armour is just disgusting.
1: The basketball is bad, but if we could get some iconic football uniforms that... I mean, Auburn, I love Auburn's uniforms. I've always loved Auburn's uniforms. Who else has Under Armour? There's one more team. Texas
2: Tech, they go a little crazy. Tech's bad. Tech's bad. Maryland, they also go super crazy.
1: Didn't... no, Georgia, I was going to say Georgia Tech. They have like Russell or something. Well, so Garbage. Georgia Tech they actually had it.
2: just went to Adidas. They did a complete rebrand. Uh. Season. But uh, here's here's the biggest and best question. Let's stay with Nike, though. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <yes>. please. <laughs> All that being said, stay with Nike forever. Yeah. <laughs> so here's here's the biggest and best question. I wanted to make sure Travis was up for answering this before I put it in the uh, show notes. but. From our guy, Savvy Nation, who I got into a little bit of a Twitter spat with today, but he had a great question. <laughs> hey, boys, hope you're doing well and enjoying this warmer weather. Two-part question for you. First, if you could pick any coach on the current staff to replace Bill, who should it be and why? So we're going to go around and do this first one. The guy I put down, I put Andre Coleman. I think he is, he's up and coming. I think he has the energy i think i want to see us move towards a little bit more dynamic recruiting i think he's probably the best recruiter on the staff and i think he is a rising star in the coaching world i think if he doesn't eventually become the k state head coach i think you might see him at probably not a power program but maybe a place you know similar to a illinois or something down south maybe georgia tech if they ever want to go away from that triple option, I think he one day will be a very, very, very good head coach.
0: I would say – I said I would answer this question, but I'm I'm going to throw it. I'm going to answer it with three people. You can Uh, make up the rules however you want. It's a little tough for me just because there's a couple coaches on that staff that I didn't play with and I don't really have a relationship with, so they might be great coaches and I just don't know them well enough. Um,
2: but you have some first-hand knowledge, so your opinion should go yeah. way farther than I you.
0: would um, – I think there's – from the people I know, I think there's three coaches on that staff currently that would be a good head coach, um, whether that's at K-State. And, and I think it's a good problem to be in because I think if and when Bill retires, I think all three of those people will still be here. I think Sean – I think Sean would be a good head coach. I think Blake Sally would be head coach, and I think Colin Klein would be a good head coach. Um and i relate blake and colin to kind of like quarterbacks like they just have the it factor and i think both of them have it Uh, i think blake's been blake's got great brains he's an engineer down in wichita for airplanes or something super sharp colin was a 4-0 finance student um i mean he's super sharp and i think they have that they both have the charisma they both have the energy the the youth to really recruit um, and they both have a passion for the game, and really, they have a passion for making. Um, yes, they want to win games, but they both really take it so much farther beyond that, and and they really want to develop young men, and that's what Coach Snyder has always tried to do. And the wins come with it. Um, I'll go over to Sean. I think, I think Sean. I think Kansas State is the only coach, is the only team Sean should ever coach. Um, I, I don't know if he would fit into any other program, but I do think. He would be a good fit for K State just because K State's such a unique and special program. Um, I, you, it's been we saw with Ron Prince. I mean, you can't just plug in a winner and expect to win in Manhattan, Kansas. The recruiting's a little harder. Um, you know, there's so many dynamics that are different than any other program. Yeah. Um, and I think Sean gets it. And, and Sean's part of the family. He's obviously been you know a part of the family. Um, and what he lacks in X's and O's. He will make up for in – I think he's developed as a recruiter from what I'm hearing on the recruiting trail. He's doing a good job. Um, and I think he'll be able to hand over the reins to an OC and a DC and let them do their job, and he'll just kind of be the CEO. And he'll take care of the special teams, and he'll you know, run the operations and be a great head coach. I don't see him ever calling plays. And as long as he can, I quote, unquote, check his ego in the door um, and let his OC and his DC do their job, then I think Sean will have a chance to be successful.
2: interesting good answer. <laughs> you have me feeling a little bit better about the possibility of Sean than I did five minutes ago. So, I, mean,
0: I saw him So Sean needs <laughs> me in the interview with with, uh, with Gene Taylor when, when that goes out also Sean, I like Sean Sean's a good guy. he was good to me. Um, you know he it, it'd be a unique it'd be a football program unlike any other football program because he would not I do not think. He would be in that offensive room on a Sunday night game planning for the next – he just his, – his football IQ isn't there unless it's improved drastically since the six years I've been gone, which it might have. Um, but I just don't – I mean, he, he runs the operation. He does an unbelievable job of that. He just needs to be the CEO figure, um, take care of the special teams, recruit, control the program, hire great people, and let them do their job. And honestly, that's what the best CEOs and head coaches are, is they let their staff do their job and they don't micromanage. Um, and I think, I think John can do that. Do you yeah. think he would get us new uniforms? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> um, I don't know. I it's, it's, I mean, this is an impossible question to really answer because you don't know who or how these guys are going to even perform this year because they've never coached in their positions before. But my choice was probably Blake Seiler because of just what I've heard about him. And he's young. Kind of like you said, he's got the brains. He's young. He could kind of bring in a new, refreshing approach to uh, the position. And then let's just pivot into the second part of that question. If we had to have a former player, Coach.
2: Which every single guy that we all said were former K-State players. Yeah. But um, if you're going outside the current I, room, my dream is Brent Venables. I, I, I think he is the number one. Well, I'm in love with I think that when he if he if he wants to be a head coach and if he eventually ever becomes a head coach, I think he will be wildly successful and I would love it if yeah. it happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, K-State. I would choose Brent as well. He's the best defensive coordinator in the country and I think he's got a super high ceiling compared to his floor versus if if he's became a head coach at state. So, I would take a chance on Brent yeah. for sure. I mean, he would bring recruiting to K-State to another level. Yeah. He's the best recruiter in the country. Yeah. He's stud. Uh, and I also I will
2: say Gary Patterson also is a former player. If, uh, if, to- if things yeah. ever went Gary.
0: south at TCU, I would he, love to Oh, my Gary. God, Gary, for he sure. He could have
2: been the guy. Yeah. I You know, there's a lot of stories out there. and you I think know, he I was know. the
0: guy for about 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so we've heard the same stories.
2: <laughs> yes, I think we have. And I, Who knows it, if they're true or not. But. I th- I have heard from a lot of people that it is true, and I think it's it's a shame, but you know, I think everything worked out. Um, you know, th- Those are the questions for the week, but I think uh, we're going to have to interact with one more of your former roommates. We're going to close out our episode before we do. It's going uh, yes. to be our second ever putting someone in the doghouse, and that's good old John Kurtz. Oh, boy. Yeah, he... <laughs> You know, he hosts a show that we really love. We listen to it on the podcast version, The Game. Uh, he asked for a shout out. I, I don't know if this is what he had in mind. I don't, I don't think he listens to our show because we give him a shout out almost every week. But uh, if you yeah. guys don't remember the rules of putting someone in the doghouse, <laughs> do not, under any circumstances, mention this podcast don't bring him back this way. Let's see how long we can keep this going. And Grant, you came up with this idea, so I'll let you tell the Boneheads, what do they need to tweet at John Kurtz? And that's just his name, John Kurtz, K U R T Z. I
1: think it's at J Kurtz. Um, oh, J Kurtz. I think it's J Kurtz. Crazy. His name is John Kurtz. You can search John Kurtz, and that'll obviously come up. But uh, yeah, it's J Kurtz. Uh, yeah, I was thought. I I, am. I tweeted at John, and I said, "Hey, I love your show. Keep up the good work." And he said, "Spread the word." It's like, man, if only you knew. If only you knew. We've been talking about you almost every podcast episode. So, um, I heard that John is a flat earther.
2: Gosh, that's embarrassing for John. It's so, bad. everyone oh, yeah. make sure to tweet at him <laughs> right when you listen to this. Tweet at Jay Kurtz. Ask him if it's true that he's a flat earther. Uh, also, uh, Travis, what's your Twitter handle for everyone so they can make sure to give you a follow and follow your budding broadcast and insurance career?
0: Hold on. Let me. Uh, also, I tra- think it's Travis 80. Let me double check though. Travis, used, is, uh,
1: Travis is Travis is going to get into the
0: podcasting game here soon. Oh, yeah. Also,
2: be out on the lookout for future hunting podcasts to be named. Do you have a name?
0: I do not. No, I don't even have a microphone. So, <laughs> so be, we've got a ways to go. That's a dream, and it'd be it'd be fun to put one together. It's and,
1: very easy. You could get up and running within yeah, within is, the week. Honestly. Twitter name
0: is at Travis Tannehill. So no no numbers no nothing. There, there you
2: go. So everyone, make sure you follow him as well. Let them know that uh, verified. By the way, yeah, oh, verified. Verify. Yeah, verified. verified. I saw that you did have a check. Yeah, so,
0: I guess so. if you get on ESPN, they verify you. So, all
1: right, well, Travis, it's been a pleasure. We're gonna link up again later in the summer to preview the 2018 season. We'll, we'll come to Manhattan, or maybe we'll have the remote podcasting up at that point, so we can call you on Google, uh, whatever. But uh, I wouldn't mind coming to Manhattan. To be Let's honest, kind of we'll fun. We'll take you out for a beer. and... Sounds good. We'll talk about the twenty eighteen season. Come back to the house and when there's more Yeah, okay. Meet your wife. Shoot. The wife's awesome. Former Uh, volleyball player? She's great. All right. Well thanks for coming, man. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. See ya.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.